Good morning, everybody. All right, man, good to see you guys. Hey, guess who has two thumbs and built a pizza oven yesterday? Well, Bethany really did it, but, <laughs> but I was there. <clears throat> so that counts. That was a joke. Um, good to see you guys today. Man, tough crowd. Anyways, uh, so good to be with you guys this morning. What an awesome day. Great time to be in church. And uh, before we jump into our message today, we, we started talking about this last week, but we are excited to be moving forward with our building project. Yes. And uh, how many of you are excited about walls, sheetrock, right? We're going to get it framed in, get air conditioner and heater in here. It's not so important right now in like May, June in Eugene where the weather's perfect, but as we get into the fall, I think it's going to be important we actually have like working heat and air conditioning in this room. How many of you would be like, yes, that's, that's important. So uh, man, we're so excited. Ultimately though, the vision for this place has really never been about us. Although yes, we want to be comfortable. Yes, we want to have a nice place to worship. Absolutely, a nice place to fellowship and gather. But this place is a lighthouse to shine God's love, God's light, shine the gospel out into our community. You know, and this is a, a, an answer to prayer. We were literally, you know, believing God for a building right in the middle of town, right in a visible spot, right in a place where people could, could see, hey, the church that, that is there that loves you, that is excited to, to reach you, to help you, to be there for you. And so, man, God gave us this place right on I-5. So amazing. And we're excited about that vision, excited about what God's doing and uh, everything that he's doing right now and in the future. And so we're in this building project. You can go ahead and put that uh, picture up there. We're moving forward on phase two. Uh, and this is what the outside's going to look like eventually. Pretty cool. There's a flyer on, I think, every chair or at least every other chair you can grab to get information about phase two. And uh, if you will, just grab a sticker out. If you didn't do this last week, we have these stickers right here. They say, I'm in. And all we're asking is that everyone would basically... Uh, if you're ready to go all in on this, this is all I'm asking you to do, is uh, to pray during the summer and before uh, August is over, just pray and say, God, would you put a sum of money on my heart, on my, you know, talk to your spouse if that's you together doing that decision, which it should be. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't be like, hey, babe, I bought a boat and we gave away our life savings to the church, to the building project. Should be like, it's been nice knowing you. Anyways. You can tell I had a nice day off. I'm, I'm in, a, in a good mood today. I'm just telling jokes. I'm going to have fun today. I don't know about you guys. But all, all we're asking is that you would write your name on here and stick the sticker on the I'm in banner out there in the lobby. It's right by the next table. And all I'm asking is that you would pray. Just, just take that time to say, God, I want to seek you. Is there something that you'd put in my heart to give to this project so that we can finish strong, right? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And we want to finish strong with this next phase of our building. Ultimately, we're going to, somebody was asking me this recently, they're like, are we still going to do the kids' playground? Yes, 100%. That's part of the plan. We just got to get the, the barn finished before we, you know, do the inside stuff. Does that make sense? So we're still doing that. Um, <clears throat> that's the plan. But we're asking that you would grab one of those stickers, that you would write your name, stick it on the, on the banner out there if you're going to take that time to pray about what God will put in your heart to give before the end of the summer. Again, there's more information there. Everybody good? Wave at me. Wave at me. Awesome. Cool. Hey, we're in our series called Fruit by the Foot. Thanks, babe. Got my fruit by the foot ready to go. And uh, I was moving a lot of bricks and, uh, and stuff yesterday with this pizza oven and fixing a bike. Uh, total dad, dadly day, right? Uh, so I'm not going to throw this very far. I'm going to just underhand it. <laughs> softball. Float it. Anybody remember Rookie of the Year? Rookie float it. Okay. Who wants Fruit by the Foot? Liam. 
Oh! Anybody here? All right, Bruce Ronda. Yeah, look at that. Man, I'm accurate. Who over here? Daniel, I, I'm not going to, I can't do it. Juan Blanco, let's see if I can do it. Float it. Oh, you got to move, brother. I've seen you play softball. Come on. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, we're going to jump into the word today. We're in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Where the Spirit flows, where the Spirit of God flows, the good fruit grows. And in this whole passage of Scripture and in this whole uh, situation as Paul is writing to the church in the region of Galatia thousands of years ago, but it's just as applicable to us today, He's giving a choice. He's saying, hey, you guys receive Jesus. You receive the, the Holy Spirit and you're being pulled back to try to earn it and try to strive and do all this kind of stuff. And look, you can't do that. The choice is between striving or thriving. When we live a life in the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit flows, we don't have to strive to produce this fruit. We just thrive and, it, and it's produced. Come on. Where the Spirit flows, the good fruit grows. And like it says in this passage of Scripture, the fruit of the Spirit is produced by the Spirit. It's not produced by our own effort. Somebody say, it's not me. It's not me. You ever have somebody give you a compliment and you're trying to be like fake humble? You're like, oh, it's just Jesus, right? Well, in this case, that's true, right? I love it. People will be like, hey, you know, you tell somebody like Natalie, my sister and I, we were uh, in a band and so we'd play music, whatever, we'd be con playing at concerts or something and I play the piano and sing and she plays guitar and she's like a shredder, like she just destroys the guitar, it's amazing. People walk in and be like, look at her, they're like, oh, is that your manager? And she's like, no, I'm the lead guitar player and I will destroy, I'll melt your face off with this guitar solo. <laughs> and they'd be like, they, and then she would. Um, she wouldn't actually say that, but she would do it. And uh, people would be like, oh, Natalie, that was amazing, you know. And I think one time she was like, oh, it was just Jesus. And I was like, no, nah, well, no, he didn't play that. You did. <laughs> you know, but he gave you that ability, right? But in this case, it's the Holy Spirit, right? He produces the fruit, not us. So it's not us doing it. It comes from him. And what we can do is create the right environment, the right atmosphere to really dwell in the presence of God, really dwell in the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit flow in our lives. So that's what we're talking about throughout this uh, series, going through each of the individual fruits. Today, I'm excited. I can't wait because we're talking about patience. <laughs> I just can't wait. Ba -boom, Guys, there are three things that I hate, three things that I really do not like. The first one is bad customer service. I do not like it. Uh, I do not like incompetence. And I do not like needless delay. Anybody with me? Now, there's a special place where all of these things come together in a wonderful cocktail of testing patience, and it's called an airport. Now, I know we have our dear Jasmine works at the airport. She's excluded from this. If any of our Joy members are, you know, and I'm not criticizing anyone that works at an airport except for the people that do. So um, <laughs> Bethany and I, a couple years ago, we had a trip planned to go to Romania to be with our missions church over there that we support our, our friends, the Chichuis. Pastor Ted spoke here a couple years ago back at the movie theater, and we love our friends there. And so we had this trip to go and, and go to Romania 
and uh, be with them. And Bethany and I had a couple days tacked on, I think, at the end to go to the UK, right? It's been a few days in England. I think we did. Anyways, we went all the way to Seattle on that trip to Romania. Uh, that was as far as we got. So we get on our flight to, uh, from Eugene to Seattle. We get to Seattle and we're getting ready to get on our flight across the Atlantic. And uh, we, we start to get, I don't remember exactly what happened, but we start to get all this uh, idea that our flight is delayed. And we go to the counter to talk to the people to figure it out so we can figure out what flight we're going to get on. And they're not there and they don't show up for a few hours. So we're frantically calling all these different places. Finally, somebody shows up at the counter and we're getting the like, excuse me? You know, it's like, how dare you ask me a question? I am obviously working here furiously. And uh, we can't get answers. We're, we're delayed. Hours are ticking by. And we're starting to realize this isn't going to happen today. And we're getting the trifecta here. You know, bad customer service, uh, incompetence. We're getting multiple answers from different people. Somebody goes, oh, you got to walk down to this gate. So we were like walking, crisscrossing the Seattle airport, trying to talk to the manager. You know what I mean? I was like, where is the manager? I was full on Karen that day. I had my hair cut. I'm like, where is I need to speak to your manager, you know? And just literally getting put into this uh, hellacious situation of delay, delay, delay. Finally, we, 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 we don't even really get help from the people that are supposed to help us with the airline. We just figure out ourselves, we can't do this. And so we had to call the entire trip because what happened is not only were we going to miss the one flight over there, but we were missing all of our connecting flights and we were going to end up getting there like two days later. So they're like, oh, we can get you to London and then maybe you can catch a train or like a magic carpet and it'll take you to Romania. But like we, when we were able to put it all together, we realized we could never get there. It was just going to eat up most of our trip and it was a quick trip. So we ended up just pulling the plug, canceling it, going and staying at a hotel. And we had a nice day in Seattle. We rode bikes around or whatever and uh, made fun of Husky fans. You know, it was a good day all, all around. <laughs> Turning uh, lemon, you know, making lemonade out of lemons. But it was an exercise in patience. Now, how many of you want to be more patient as soon as possible, right? <laughs> patience is something that we love it when other people are patient with us, but it's not fun ever to be patient in the moment, is it? In that whole situation in Seattle, going from place to place and waiting and talking to people that wouldn't give us clear answers and all of that, I, I will tell you it was very testing to my patience. It took me to the very limit, and I probably failed in many situations, in many cases there, to actually be patient. But patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to produce the fruit of patience in our lives. And patience is incredibly powerful because patience impacts every relationship in our life. It affects our work. It affects our, if you go to school, your school, it affects your relationships there. It affects your family, your marriage, all of it. Now let's talk about this word patience and understand what it is and how the Holy Spirit can produce it in our lives. The word patience uh, can also be translated and is in different places as the word long-suffering. How many of you are like, yes, that's what I came to church for today. Long-suffering, when Pastor Jake preaches too long, right? That's long-suffering is what this word patience means. Uh, and patience always implies you'd rather not be where you are. How many of you know when you're like sitting down and they, they bring your food, like at one of the places I love is Red Robin because they're like, especially when they ask you, hey, do you want fries before you even order? You know what I'm talking about? That's beautiful because then you're like, man, I can think about what 
how many fries I want to eat, how many more, but I get fries right now to help me make that decision. There's not a wait. You just get in, sit down, here's your fries, right? I love that. But when you have to be patient, what that implies is that you'd rather not be. Think about that. You can't exhibit the fruit of patience unless you are where you don't want to be at that exact moment. This idea of long-suffering. So being patient is the capacity or the ability to sit in the pain without reacting negatively. To sit in the suffering zone. The word in Greek, we're going to go do a little Greek today. The word in Greek is makrothumia. makrothumia and it's a combo word and it means long passion. Macro, long, thumia, passion. Long passion. And what it means is that you have a long fuse. It's the opposite of having a short fuse. You ever meet somebody who like, they go from zero to a hundred on the scale like, like that? Don't, wives, stop poking your husband, right? For me, watching an Oregon Ducks game, you know what I mean? It's like first quarter, two minutes in, oh, we suck. We're the worst team ever. By the end, I love our team. We're the best, you know? I need to get my fuse a little bit longer. And uh, it, my kids, I noticed that Bethany and the kids always leave when I'm watching the game. And after a few years, it clued me in. Maybe I need to dial it down a little bit, right? Macrothumia means you have a long fuse. You have this long runway before the plane of your anger and rage and reaction takes off. Come on. Long passion. The opposite of having a short fuse. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you. He wants you to be able to sit in the discomfort, to sit in the delay, to sit in the, in the moment that you absolutely don't want to be in. And he wants to give you this ability to do that with patience, to do that in peace, to do that in joy, to do that without negatively reacting. Let me tell you, being a pastor now for almost 20 years, not a senior pastor, but in ministry for almost 20 years and working with people, I have seen many more lives destroyed by boredom and impatience than evil, than, than somebody just making, you know, I'm just a bad person making an evil decision. More people wreck their lives because they get bored and impatient. And so instead of waiting for the promise of God, instead of waiting for the fulfillment of what the Holy Spirit wants to create in their life, instead of waiting for that fruit to grow and produce something beautiful in their life, they rush the process they get bored. They step out of God's will, not because of evil, but because of impatience, because of boredom. They won't wait, and so they don't inherit the promise of God. This is why the Holy Spirit wants to produce patience in us, because there is always something good on the other side. There's always something good on the other side. So let's talk about why patience matters. Why does patience matter? Why does the Holy Spirit want to produce this fruit in us? Number one, because God's promises wait on the other side of waiting. Because God's promises, I'll actually say all of God's promises, wait on the other side of waiting. How many of you would say, I believe God has promised me some things in my life? Okay, God has promised some things to me. Now, if you don't recognize that God has promised you some things, just a heads up, he has. Now, there are some general promises of God. How about this one? When you die, you won't go to hell. Yeah, I'll take it, right? That's the promise of the gospel. When you die, you're not going to be dead. You're going to live forever in Christ. Come on, that's a good one, right? People are like, what's heaven like? I'm like, I don't care. I just want to go. Right? <laughs> right? Well, are we going to fly? Definitely that. 
I mean, you know, other than that, I know there'll be Italian food, right? And those are the things we know theologically are true, flying in a good Italian food. But other than that, it's up for grabs. But I just want to go. But that's a promise of God for you. When you trust in Christ, death will not have final victory. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? And you will live forever. How many of you have lost a loved one and you, and you believe that promise is meaningful? Man, I want to see my grandpa, Vincent James Cafaro, in heaven. I look forward to that moment. I look forward to these moments. I, that's a promise of God. But guess what? There's this whole life I have to live to get there. Be faithful, endure until the end. So all of the promises of God. Now, you can say, well, God's promised me other things. God's promised me a spouse. God's promised me this. God's promised me that. Whatever. Well, it's going to come on the other side of waiting. Listen to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. It says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through, listen to these two words, faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You need to understand something about patience. Patience is not just waiting. Patience is not just getting through. Patience is not just being delayed. Patience is waiting on purpose. Patience is indicating that I am enduring the current headwind that's coming at me because I want to get through so I can get where I want to be, where I want to go. I want to get to the promises of God. God's promises wait on the other side of waiting. So patience is not just being delayed. Patience is saying I'm waiting on purpose. Now, when we talk about these two words, faith and patience, faith equals, in this context, believing that God can. How many of you believe that if God promised you something, he can do it? Okay, now this is one of the things that I will tell you irritates me as a pastor and just as a person, because I'm just a person underneath the pastor, right? (laughs) Yes, it's true. People, I was at uh, Home Depot yesterday, uh, and uh, this lady goes, church. I was like, that's awesome. That's my whole identity to you. <laughs> Very cool. And I was like, that's right, <laughs> Pastor Jake. Anyways, um, I, saw, I recognize your face from TV. Thanks. I'd have a great day. So anyways, um, no, I was nice. I invited her to church. But uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know why I was even talking about that. <laughs> Faith is believing God can. The promises of God, I was saying you're irritating me as a pastor. This is what irritates me. I'll say to somebody, hey, this is what the Bible says about this. For instance, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you pray to the Father and ask him for the gift of the Holy Spirit, he'll give it to you. Well, what's your theology on that? That's my theology. He will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him. Well, but, I, but it didn't work for me. Well, it did work for you. It, it can't not work. That's what it says. Faith is believing God can. Do, do you think that God can do Everything he said, that, he, that he promised to you, can he do it? Does he have the power? Does he have the ability? Yes. What, what's up for grabs is timing, not ability. A lack of faith is just disbelieving that God can. Now, you've got to tell your brain and your heart that God can. That's what faith is. Faith is going, hey, he can do it. I just believe that. I know that. I resonate with that. And there isn't anything that could tell me that he can't. And a lot of us have faith. How many of you go, yeah, I've got faith. I believe God can. Absolutely. But see, this is, just having faith isn't enough. Having faith in the promises of God, oh, God can do it, is not enough. Patience is trusting him until he does. Patience is saying, I trust him that he can, I trust him that he will, but I also trust him when he will. I trust God to wait until he decides the timing is right. 
Chuck Swindoll says, true patience is waiting without worrying. Worrying is essentially us not either believing God can or not believing in his timing, not trusting and being patient in his timing. Patience is saying, no, I'm going to inherit the promise through faith and patience. Those two things work together. How many of you go, man, I can upgrade my faith, but I really need to upgrade my patience. Because I believe God can, but I oftentimes get ahead of the process. In the Bible, there's a story about Joseph. And uh, Joseph was the son of Jacob. He had been promised, God had given him a vision, a dream of him as a, uh, with his 12 brothers or 12, there's a whole, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but basically he saw them bowing down to him. He had this vision of this future moment where he would be put in a position of authority. He shares it with his brothers. They get jealous. They ended up basically throwing him in a pit. They kidnapped him. They sold him into slavery. He was taken to Egypt. He was sold as a slave. He rose to prominence in a man named Potiphar's house. Then he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife uh, of, of impropriety. And he, he, she grabs his robe. He runs out naked. He was a streaker for righteousness, right? <laughs> Anybody ever heard that Ray Stevens song? Boogaday, boogaday. <laughs> He's just in the mood to run in the nude. Oh, yes, they call him the streak. Boogaday, boogaday. Fastest thing on two feet. Okay, we'll have fun with that later. If you haven't heard that, that's a, that's a sonic gem. You need to listen to that song. It's an absolute masterpiece. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, Joseph runs out. He's put in prison for a crime he didn't commit. <clears throat> then he's in prison. He's doing everything good in prison, rises to prominence. One of his buddies gets taken out of prison. He says, put in a good word with Pharaoh. The guy totally forgets him. He's languishing in prison. So for years and years and years and years, Joseph has faith in the promise of God but he doesn't inherit the promise of God because of faith. He inherits the promise of God eventually because of patience. Eventually, Pharaoh has a dream. And this is years and years and years of suffering later. Macrothumia, long suffering, long passion, long fuse. He's letting the promise of God burn. And that fuse is staying bright, waiting, 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 not just to, to go through the delay, but waiting on purpose because he says, God can, God will, I'm waiting for when. And I'm standing by. And eventually Pharaoh has a dream and Pharaoh says, who can interpret this dream? And the guy that Joseph had been a friend with goes, oh yeah, there's this guy in prison named Joseph. He happens to have this ability to interpret dreams. They get Joseph, he interprets the dream. Pharaoh says, Joseph, you're going to be second only to me. You're in charge of everything. And Joseph becomes this incredible leader in the nation of Egypt. And what's amazing is that the whole earth goes into this famine, the whole uh, land goes into this famine, and uh, his family eventually shows up, his brothers show up, they do not recognize him. And in Genesis chapter 45, there's this incredible moment where Joseph's, it's my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, where Joseph's brothers are there, they don't know who it is, and Joseph reveals himself to them. And he says this, And now do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt." God's promises wait on the other side of waiting. The delay that you're experiencing now is the setup for something great. But if you will not wait through the pain, 
you will not perceive and enjoy the glory that God has. Let me just tell you right now, everything good in my life came through seasons of pain. The only time that I ever was able to, metaphorically, because I haven't done it literally, but walk on water was when I was in the storm and I had to wait for the deliverance and wait for the call of God. Do you guys hear what I'm talking about? Those of you that have walked with the Lord for many years understand this principle. God's promises wait on the other side of waiting. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you this ability, this fruit of patience, to inherit the promises of God through faith and through patience and put you in a position where your waiting was not in vain, but your waiting was on purpose. And patience brings the promises of God. Number two, why does patience matter? Why does it matter? Number two, because character matters more than comfort. Because God cares more about creating in you a new heart. He cares more about you becoming more like Jesus than he does about your comfort. Now, unfortunately, the false gospel of consumer Christianity in the United States today goes directly against this and says, well, if it makes me feel good, it must be God's will. If it feels good to live with somebody and not be committed, you know, to, have, to be sleeping together and not be committed in the covenant of marriage, then that must be God's will because it feels good. And it would be too hard to unravel that. Whoops. That's not what the scripture says. Well, you know, my wife isn't really living up to my sexual fantasies, so it would just be easier to go find that elsewhere. And I'm not hurting anyone, so what's the big deal with porn? No. Well, I'm going through difficulty in my marriage, and it'd be easier to talk to this person I can pour out. No. God cares about your character more than your comfort. In fact, he goes so far as to put you in uncomfortable situations and put me in uncomfortable situations to burn away the dross and reveal the gold because he created you on purpose, come on, and for purpose, and he has something great for you that you can't perceive. The fall of man, our sinfulness, didn't just cause us to do bad things from time to time. It corrupted our capacity to even understand who we really are. And God will put us into situations that test our patience and test our fortitude that wants to burn that fuse down so we explode and blow up our lives. He'll put you in those situations to burn away what shouldn't be there and reveal that which you were created for. God loves you enough to make you uncomfortable. And here's the reality in life that the greatest battle you will ever face is not external, it is internal. There is no greater enemy than me. We have looked in the mirror and we saw the monster looking back through our own eyes. Come on, somebody. When I was a little kid, I used to watch this show called Gospel Bill. It was like what pastors' kids in the 80s watched, you know, and it was this TV show on CBN or whatever it was on. Uh, anybody ever see Gospel Bill? Awesome. Oversaved. That's great. You and me, Jerry. Come on. Gospel Bill. And uh, there was a bad guy in the show. His name was Luther Bedlow. <laughs> Just such a great name. And he was always selling moonshine whiskey, you know. And he was always leading the town folk astray into the wilds of Satan, you know. And Luther Bedlow would be like dressed up in this black long coat and he had a black hat and a black pencil mustache. And so in my mind, that's always the enemy. The bad guy is always Luther Bedlow, right? But the problem is, what I've discovered is Luther Bedlows are out there, but there's a big time Luther Bedlow that lives on the inside of me. And that bad guy, that bad girl, right, inside of you, and that it, it, it's really your true enemy. 
And that greatest battle you face is not coming from outside of you. It's coming from the inside. It's your sin nature wanting to pull you off course and take you down. That's why in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, it says, Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. In the movie Braveheart, there's a scene where the young William Wallace is talking to his father. It's early in the movie. His dad's going to go out and fight the invading British army, the, you know, the English soldiers. And little William Wallace goes, I, I want to fight. I want to fight them. I want to fight. And his dad says, no, you cannot fight them. I never understood what they were saying until I understood Scottish, right? It's a different language. It's English, but it has this, you can't even understand it. You know, it's the whole thing. He says, you can't fight them, you know, and I want to fight them, Dad. And he won't let him. And he says this line, you're going to fight them someday, but it's our weights that make us men. It's not our fights, it's our weights. W-A-I-T-S. It's our waiting that forms our character. It's not the bright lights, it's not the big moments, it's not the big battles. You know, when I'm watching the Blazers in the playoffs and Damian Lillard is taking a three from half court and making it, the reason that he does that in the big moments is because he did it in the dark gym. He did it on the playground basketball court when nobody was watching in the waiting moments. It's not those great moments. We think, well, I need the big moment to, 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 to really create something in me or do something for me or I'm going to be discovered or whatever. No, it's in the secret place. It's in the waiting place. It's in the time when God is developing your character through painful seasons of delay, painful seasons of of waiting, of confusing moments, conflicting information. It's in those seasons that God is creating character in you. In Romans chapter 5, verse 4, it says, And patience, or in other translations, endurance or perseverance or long-suffering, but it's the same thing, macrothumia, produces character, and character produces hope. God wants to produce character in you, and if he is going to get character out of you, he's got to get patience working in you. Come on. God has to get us into these seasons where we go, oh, I don't like this. I'd rather not be here. This is uncomfortable. This isn't fun. I want this weight off of me, and I want to be out of this wait, waiting season. But in those moments, he creates character in us. He develops character in us. Character matters more than comfort, and that's why patience matters. Number three, why does patience matter? Number three, because God has perfect timing. God has perfect timing. Psalms 27 verse 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Let me just tell you something. Don't rush the process. How many of you like me are guilty of rushing the process? Sometimes it's the preparation and the pruning of God, and I go, that's enough. I'm good. Lord, I'm a pastor. You've developed my character to the level you'd like it to be. And he goes, <laughs> nope. And I'm like, no, I think, I think it's time for me to move on to the next lesson. I think it's time for me to graduate. And God says, not yet, son. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Don't rush the process. Let me tell you some, a couple stories about rushing the process. So Bethany and I uh, were in our early 20s and we were, we were dating. And uh, two weeks into us dating... I, I was telling her, I love you, you know, and I'm looking at her to hear, see if she'll say it back. And I don't know, remember if she did or not, but she didn't. Um, she's <laughs> waving me off. And, and uh, 
undaunted I pushed forward. But I, I, I was like all in. But I wasn't really all in. I was emotionally all in. And then all of a sudden, the reality of us needing to build a relationship set in. So I told her I loved her in two weeks. And then a couple months later, I broke up with her. <laughs> and uh, my kids are still mad about it. They're like, Dad, you suck. I'm like, I know. I'm trying to live my whole life to earn this back, right? Just striving, not thriving. But um, I rushed the process. I told her I... Loved her within two weeks, and then I broke up with her. Now, eventually, I came to my senses and begged her to take me back, right? So it worked out, okay? You can relax. It did work out. We've been married 14 years. We're very much in love. It's great. Uh, we built a pizza oven together, meaning I watched while she did it. It was amazing. We're totally in this together. And, uh, but I rushed the process. Instead of, like, waiting and, like, letting my heart and my brain kind of catch up and getting into the relationship and maybe going a little bit slower... I rushed the process, ended up overcommitting, overreaching, overpromising, and then pulling back in this violent breakup. Not violent, but you get what I mean, metaphorically. <laughs> metaphor, metaphor. Uh, in this breakup, I rushed the process. Anybody else guilty of something like that? Rushing the process. Our daughter, Evie, she loves to bake. And so uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the kids were wanting to raise money for Camp Harlow, which thank you, everybody, that bought cookies and all that. So we go, hey, uh, you should like do something. We, we actually believe our kids should like work for what money they make. Is anybody else okay with that? Like we think they should actually produce something for a result. That's just my personal view. Anyways, um, so we're like, hey, you have to, you have to like, uh, you know, do something. So Evie's like, I'll bake cookies. So we're like, that's a great idea. So Bethany uh, had posted on Facebook and a bunch of you bought cookies. Hopefully they were good. Um, I, I, she was nine years old, right? So <laughs> anyways, um, the first batch, she's, kids are watching TV, and she's in there, and we've purchased, we made the kids do this whole thing. We made them basically do like a profit and loss. They had to buy their supplies. We, we actually made them pay for gas when we went to pick up cans. And we went, like we had, to, we had the whole thing. We did it like a business because we wanted it. We're homeschool family, right? Everything is a lesson. <laughs> Everything is a lesson, right? That's, yeah, okay. So we did that. So Evie's watching TV, so she's bought all her supplies, and she starts to bake cookies, and she knows how to make chocolate chip cookies. But she rushed the process. She went ahead of herself. She didn't use the recipe. So she started putting ingredients in the wrong order. And that doesn't work, right? It, di it didn't work. She got the butter in, didn't melt it, all this kind of stuff. And so that first batch of cookies was very brown. Very, it didn't, they were very flat and very brown. It didn't really exactly work because she rushed the process. She didn't follow the process. Here's, here's one thing that happens. Many people are like, my Christianity isn't really like fulfilling me. And you're basically, your Christian life is like flat and brown cookies. And it's because you've rushed the process. You, you, you go, well, I don't need to go to joy group. Like, I don't even like small groups. That's not something I need to do. And every week we go, go to joy group. Well, why? Because you should trust that community will rub off your rough edges and that you should be a part of community because it's the right thing to do, whether you like it or not. Well, it's not, it's not how I am. It's not how... Well, it is how you are. You just don't realize it yet. We all need it. No, you know. Well, you should pray and read your Bible every day. Every day? <laughs> yes. Because I don't know about you, but I have a sin nature every day. <laughs> what do you mean I should come to church every Sunday? I actually think higher of you than the way I'm making it seem right now, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this or that. I'm going to go, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to do that stuff. I'm not willing to do the little things. But I want to do the big things. No, you've got to do the little things and build the foundations. Come on, don't rush the process. God has perfect timing. Many people are called that God has this wonderful destiny of getting married, getting a, a, a lifelong mate, and there's a, there's a process there for you. And if you rush the process... It doesn't work out well. Well, I'm going to go find me a person down at the local, you know, cantina, whatever. <laughs> Islands in the stream, that is what we are. It was love at first drink. Hey, man, I'm just talking today. <laughs> it's not, I'm not, and I'm not criticizing any one person, guys. This is me. I've rushed the process so many times. Get impatient. But God has perfect timing and he will direct and guide your steps. Don't sacrifice your destiny by rushing the process. Don't rush the process. Now, oftentimes the real temptation to rush the process comes with the good promises of God. Think about King David. David is a young man, maybe between 13, 17, 18 years old. He's anointed king of Israel. Samuel comes, not this brother, not this brother, not this brother, not this brother. Do you have any other sons? Oh, David, he's up in the field. Go get him, guys. Bring him down. This is the future king. You're 17 years old, and you're called to be the king of a nation. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what I do. I go buy some brand new, you know, Yeezys, gold chain. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's up? Start listening to that Christian Kanye album. You know what I mean? Just that's what I would do. Just like really live it up. Future king. That's right, FK, future king right here. And uh, just, you know, live it up. But he doesn't. He goes back to the field. He goes back to the pasture and continues to operate in his calling as a shepherd at that time. Then he goes and kills Goliath. You've been anointed future king, and then you just wiped out a nine-foot-tall beast monster warrior, and you cut off his freaking head with his own sword, and lifted it up and went, are you not interchained? It's totally what he said. It's in the Hebrew. It's in the footnotes. The army of Israel rushes down from the hillside into the valley. They waste the Philistines. They pursue them. You've just, you become the captain of the king's armies. People start singing songs about you. Saul has slain his thousands. David has tens of thousands. This is like, how could you not let this go to your head? And David does not rush the process. He's called king of Israel. He's the giant slayer. He's the slayer of 10,000s. He marries the king's daughter. He, it's coming up all David for a while. And he doesn't rush the process. He stays faithful. Then it turns on him. Saul gets jealous. He tries to kill David. David flees and has to live in exile in caves in harsh, rugged wilderness for 13 years years, he does not rush the process. He trusts in God's timing. And he becomes the man called the man after God's own heart. Does he have failures? Does he have brokenness? Does he screw it up a lot? Absolutely, 100%. But he inherits the promises of God in his life because he doesn't rush the promise, doesn't rush the process. He trusts in the timing of God. Where are you at in your journey? Where are you at in a process? Many times we're like, oh, this year is my year. People will make stuff up. You know, 2021 is the year of my fun. Like, no, it's not. It's probably the year of your character development. 
2021, you know, 2020 was my, like, that was my valley year. 2021, mountaintop. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. You know what year it is? The year of God's perfect timing. Because we can look at other people and be like, well, man, you know, Kyle, he's like up on the mountaintop. What about me? Well, maybe he is or maybe he isn't. doesn't really matter. Where does God have you in the process? All I know is his promises wait on the other side of waiting. He cares more about your character than your comfort. And he has perfect timing. And so patience matters. He wants to create that. God has perfect timing. Number four, why does patience matter? And we'll finish with this. Because God is patient with us. God is patient with you in your sin, in your failure, in your progression, in your maturity, in your ups and downs, in your valleys and mountaintops. 2 Peter 3 verse 8 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. He is patient with you. His fuse, which should have gone with us a million times. He's patient. He's waiting. He's sticking with you. He has macrothumia, long passion. His love endures. It's higher than a mountain, deeper than the sea. He throws your sins in the sea of forgetfulness and he says, I forgive you again and again and again and I believe in you and I'm waiting for you and I'm here for you. Come on. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. How often do we get impatient with the flaws and the failures and the sins of other people, including me? Hey, listen, if, you, if I've ever hurt your feelings or let you down or said the wrong thing on Sunday, man, if I haven't yet, just stick around. I will eventually. I know I've let many of you down and you're patient with me. Thank you. I appreciate that. And every once in a while, we're patient with you. Just every once in a while. But, but ultimately, we're, we can be patient because God is patient with us. I'm so thankful for the patience of God. So many times in my life that I've wanted to rush the process. I've wanted to blast somebody because they weren't getting it. And God says, Jake, do you get it? And I'm like, yes, I absolutely get it. I always get it. And then he's like, "Uh, no, negative. But he's still there, loving, believing, pouring his spirit out in my life. God is patient with us. He's patient and kind. In the scripture, it says that it's the goodness or the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's this long passion, this long suffering. God is playing the long game with you. And you can play this long game with him. You can say, you know what? I'm going to inherit his promises through faith and patience. God, I want to produce. I want the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit of patience in my life. Will you pray with me today? Father, we thank you that you've called us to a life of patience. Lord, we don't like it. Being patient means that we're in a place we'd rather not be. Maybe that's where we are even today. But Lord, we trust you because you have perfect kindness, perfect goodness, and perfect timing. You care more about our character development, creating in us the character and the nature of Christ more than our own agenda or what we think would be success in the moment to moment. Lord, you're patient with us in our failure and our flaws, and you continue to pour out your grace. God, you are faithful even when we are not. You show up for us every day even when we're not connected with you, not not right with you. So God, help us to produce in our lives, let the Holy Spirit produce this fruit of patience. 
that when we're tempted to, to, to rush the process, we go, wait a second, could this be the setup? Could this be the valley that's positioning me for what God wants to do? Who can, who's going to be helped by me waiting through this season and trusting in God and sticking in faith and sticking in patience to inherit the promises of God? Thank you, Lord. We give you this moment in Jesus' name. Real quick, just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you're here today and you go, Pastor Jake, I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus. He's patient with us. Every one of us is a sinner, separated from God, guilty because of our own deeds that we've done. But the promise that we talked about earlier, the promise of the gospel is that God loves you and he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, for mine, to save us, to make us right with him and to give us eternal life. And so if that's you today and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would just ask that you raise your hand. Pastor Jake, thank you. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Pray this prayer with me and we're going to give you some next steps in just a moment. Let's all pray it together. Dear Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. I thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving your life on the cross as a payment for my sin. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.